You're listening to That's Interesting, a podcast about interesting topics. I'm Adam Neary. And I'm Nate Keller. And we're your hosts. If you like today's episode, you can support the podcast by liking, commenting, and subscribing. As always, thanks for joining us today. I, I've lived off main roads for such a long time. Well, your parents' house was quiet when you lived there, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, before that, you know, because that, right. that year is kind of the exception. You know, when I moved out in Pennsylvania, I moved off campus, and the apartments mm-hmm. that I lived in were right off of a main street. And so Usually that was those like, are the cheaper ones. Yeah, those are the cheaper ones. Nobody wants those. They, they want the quiet yeah. ones. <laughs> and it was 2013, I think, is when I moved out. And from then on, I I lived in houses, apartments right off Main Street. Because from there, I moved into a farmhouse with some with a, bun- a bunch of friends right off of a Main Street. And then from there, I moved to Seattle, which was an apartment right off of a Main Street. And so when I moved in with my parents, it was like it was like too quiet. Right. Like like I felt like I was separated from. I felt like you were in one of those um, what do they call those rooms? Padded uh, foam silence oh, rooms. Oh yeah. Where it's padded cells. So, yeah, well, not even padded cell. They have um, four sound recording. Oh, yeah. Rooms where, like. Oh, there's a word for it. I know. I can't think of it it's right like, now. Cro- Man, I can't think Literally of it. Literally walls of, like, yeah. two feet thick foam, and it just it drowns yeah. out every noise. I've been in one room mm-hmm. very similar. Probably not the one that's, like, mm-hmm. the most silent in the world, but I've been in one of those rooms before where they do that kind of testing, mm-hmm. and it's insane. You walk in, and you almost feel like you've gone deaf. Like, mm. because you get so used to the white, like, resonating noise around you, mm-hmm. even the small sounds, you walk in and you're like, it's all gone. It strips yeah. it all away and you're like, what, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. your voice doesn't carry. So you mm-hmm. say something and it's like it's right at your face. Mm-hmm. There's no echo. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Strangest feeling ever. I see, I see why they say people can't last that long in there. I've always wanted to, like, build a small one of those. You can buy the foam pads. Yeah, I've always wanted to, like, I mean, I don't have any space to build one, but, like, build a really small one. Just do it in here, man. And then, like, start lining the walls. Right here, right? Just line the walls. It's going to be the worst TV room ever. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, build one and then, like, do my own, like, weird experiments with, like, that kind of chamber to do, like, a Gansfield effect. Do you know what a Gansfield effect is? I don't know. It's, like, it's, like, like, kind of like sensory deprivation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's like auditory deprivation, visual deprivation, and like pull just, you out of your like current state, put yeah. you in a different one. Yeah, it kind of like puts you in like this not suggestible, but it's more of like it puts you in more of a state of like you're not hyper stimulated. Mm-hmm. And so like I maybe there are, I don't know, maybe there's like therapeutic methods that in that like put your brain in a condition where it's more su- suitable for like rewiring. So like if you like, you know what I'm saying? Because like you're, you're, it is. You're like depriving your utterly depriving yourself of stimuli. Yeah. And so it's like your brain is like freaking out and like because your your brain focuses on so many different things at one time. Mm-hmm. I know one trick that's similar to what you're talking about, and mm-hmm. um, like I think therapists will use this mm-hmm. sometimes is. When somebody is having like an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. right, and they just are like falling apart, they'll say, okay, close your eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and the mm-hmm. person talking to that person, close your eyes, tell me, you know, tell me something that you hear, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me something that you feel, tell mm-hmm. me something, right? They go through like all of the sensory, um, like all your senses basically, and they are like making you focus on one thing. Right, mm-hmm. and you're saying it out loud, and it's like isolating mm-hmm. just those thoughts instead of your mind thinking about everything that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on like the one thing that you're talking about. Like, what yeah, do you, what do you hear? Okay, I hear a car mm-hmm. in the background. I hear a river. I hear a mm-hmm. whatever. Right, and it, they like force you to explain it in depth. Right, mm-hmm. and and like process just the thing that you're hearing. Right, mm-hmm. and then you move on to like, what do you feel? What are you feeling right mm-hmm. now? Like, okay, you know, I'm sitting in a chair. I feel like the cloth mm-hmm. of the chair right and like mm. so kind of interesting they do it on like micro levels like mm-hmm. that um yeah i you know because i've always like you know you've heard of those it's like in the 70s or something 
MKUltra. And it's like the government did all these experiments with like psychedelic drugs and like mm-hmm. remote viewing, you know, ESP, like yeah. like like parapsychological things, like like psychics and stuff. And they did like all these like experiments and everything. And it's like that. That's usually like the state, the mental state, where people like have these experiences. And for me, it's like it's always been like difficult for me, like nail down how, like, what is the truth, like. Are these things actually happening, or are the are are is your brain in like this mental state where like you're susceptible to like suggestion, mm-hmm. and so like you think you're seeing something when really it's your brain like trying to make sense of the like state rationalize, rationalize things. Like a good example would be hypnagogic dreams. Would be um, sleep paralysis. A mm-hmm. Great example. Like I've told this story before. Like. I, I've always, I've, I'd always heard of sleep paralysis and it was a very curious thing to me, mm-hmm. you know, that people wake up in the middle of the night, paralyzed, can't move, but there's either like this dark presence or there's like aliens or something, something weird mm-hmm. going around them and they're like freaking out, but they're paralyzed. And I'd always wondered what that experience was like until one night I actually had one. And it wasn't really a night terror because I knew what was going on, and I was like right. super pumped that I had one. Yeah, you're sitting there like finally. <laughs> I, I was. It was in the middle of the night, and I woke up, and I like couldn't move. And I remember I was like trying to yell, and it was so weird trying to yell, but like nothing was coming out. And there's, I always have a fan on when I'm sleeping, and the fan was like making this noise, and my brain was like interpreting the fan as though it was like this like dark entity that was like next to my face like Mm -hmm. like growling at me and that's a good example because it's like my brain in that moment was aware that it was paralyzed that my body was paralyzed from Mm -hmm. voluntary muscle movement but it didn't know why and so in order to try and rationalize that it took some sort of external stimuli something that was going on in the external world Mm -hmm. and attributed the current state of my body to what was going on in the world Mm -hmm. And there's always, like, part of me that's, like, how much of these parapsychological things, how much of them are, you know, suggestibility, how much of it is your mind trying to make something rational or trying to make something out of what it is that you're seeing, you know, um, confirmation bias, mm-hmm. versus how much of it is actually interesting and, and you know, warrants, like, investigation. Right. You know, and so like that, I've all, that's why I've always been like this. I've been like oddly curious about experiments like that, where like you're in this mental state where like there's no stimuli to just to like see, just to see what happens. I mean, that's a huge reason why I mean, I follow a, an Instagram um, guy who's a drummer mm-hmm. and he literally loves um, deprivation tanks mm. he like advertises about it and mm-hmm. you know I think it's one of those things again where like he's gotten into the routine of mm-hmm. stripping his mind from that like suggestibility of overstimulation mm-hmm. that like people face every single day because mm-hmm. um, nothing is basic anymore right mm-hmm. so like you said everything is your brain's constantly being overstimulated mm-hmm. because we go from sitting at a computer every day working mm-hmm. our jobs most people mm-hmm. um to taking a break which usually means migrating to the couch to watch a movie or mm-hmm. a show right yeah, yeah. and most people probably leave the tv on into mm-hmm. bed or whatever like it's really common for people to fall asleep with the tv on and so it's like your brain is being stimulated right up until the point that you go to sleep mm-hmm. and then your dreams or your mind is still like even in sleep it's still being stimulated mm-hmm. right and so these tanks they strip out all the noise they strip out everything and they force your mind into like a mm-hmm. like basically pure thought like mm-hmm. you have a subject that you're trying to focus on mm-hmm. people will get in those tanks and they will just think about that because mm-hmm. there's nothing else the fact of taking the noise away it helps them focus on just that thing mm-hmm. and, and actually um, simplify what their thoughts are um, instead of having a million thoughts popping in at one time and mm-hmm. saying, I got to do this and this and this and this. 
you know, and I, I want to watch my show and I want to do this and, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. It's just, what, it is a weird concept. It is weird. It's like, uh, you ever think like there's things that we're going to like find out that are just so like mind blowing that we've like never really even considered. Like, like, you know how like speech language, right? Language is a tool that we invented. We created language in order so that we could convey meaning, like we convey thought to people. Okay. And it's like, what if language was never like, what if language is something that we developed because the way in which God had designed us to be communicative creatures had been sort of lost. Here's what I mean by that is like, and again, this is just could be totally wrong, but what if like, you know, Adam and me, Adam in the garden, walking in the garden with God, you know, what if they weren't like talking to each other like we are right now? But, but what if maybe there was some speech, but what if like the way they communicated was something much deeper? Like they had this mm-hmm. sort of like, they had this emotional connection which was in and of itself a language and like a method of communicating that in which God was communicating to Adam. And like, there's this idea called uh, genetic entropy. And I remember there was a, there was a professor, um, I don't remember his first name, his name is Dr. Sanford. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called genetic entropy in the book. He talks about how, um, mutations almost every mutation that occurs in our dna is deleterious it's 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 um it's bad for the dna it, it every single mutation weakens the information rather than mm-hmm. building up it doesn't create new information so almost or every single information de- definitely never better information and every mutation that we see it's never adding information it's either deleting a gene breaking a gene duplicating a gene but it's never creating a new, uh, a new information. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that over time, right, go back however many years, let's just, you know, say 200,000 years, just, just as a random estimate. And let's say that is the first genetic sequence. That's Adam and Eve, genetic, Adam, genetic Eve. Um, and their, their genomes is perfect. It's as God intended. God's the one that made them. Mm-hmm. Sin enters into the world, okay? Sin starts having a depreciative effect on the created order mm-hmm. since, the, since, since its entry into the world. And as a result, mutation on the genome has slowly but surely over thousands and thousands of years decreased the fidelity of that sequence. It's, de- it's deteriorated it. It's depreciated it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, hypothetically, maybe there, and that means several things. One, it means that our, our ancestors, although they didn't have technological innovations we do have today, they, in many sense, could have been much more highly intelligent than we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also means that there might be things which the human mind is capable of that there must be there, there might be things that we are capable of that we've lost because of that fidelity has been lost right so you're saying at some point there was a a mutation that that it could have been a series of mutations a series of mutations and the reason why we have these parapsychological phenomena the reason why people can do like DMT peyote like they can do ayahuasca and they like see or communicate with like other beings or whatever, mm-hmm. or like they can like have this telepathic empathic connection to people, all of those things that we're, that we're like, it's a hard, they're hard to explain and they're hard to like really believe in. All of those things are like very small, like crumbs of a much larger thing that used to actually be a genuine part of mm-hmm. the way God made us. And this is just theory. And so it's like, what if those things that we experience now that we don't quite have explanations for 
are pointing back to something bigger that used to just be a normal part of what it meant to be human. And so, like, the way in which Adam and Eve would communicate with each other, the way in which Adam would communicate with God was, like, this. It was it was empathic. Um, and, you know, for example, like, we're made in the image of God. God is love. And so love or the, the essence, nature of love is what defines us as humans. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is not a quality that can be defined in physical terms. Right. Language is something that can be defined in physical terms. Mm-hmm. It, has, it has concrete structure. And so if we're communicating in if we're communicating in the way in, in the, the, the primary mode or the primary essence in which God has created us, the very essence of that thing is not fundamentally concrete and material in and of itself because mm-hmm. love primarily can't be described in material terms. Mm-hmm. And so the idea would be that there are methods of relationship which in and of themselves communicate information that are outside of the bounds of language. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways that we were disconnected, um, you know, and that could very well be one of those ways. And it is one of those things, like, you're right, there's no, there's no, like, point at which we've, evolved to get better and it's almost like right like the the whole language was like a a response because we lost the ability to have that communication so we had to come up with okay this is how we now communicate like language is what we have right Mm -hmm. because we don't have we we've been like dumbed down in a sense um and have to come up with a new way around Mm -hmm. that um i'm not like it's not i wouldn't say like because there's no way of knowing for certain what it was like in the garden yeah. with Adam and Eve. Because we know that Adam went around and named all the animals. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, do we take that literally? Like, is it, is it a was naming? was just known. Is it a naming in the way that we think of naming? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, that's another thing, an interesting topic for me is like, all these things like we hear about in the Bible, I feel like there's a lot of like interpretive methods that like we're just so used to like when we think of um like when we think of angels like we tend to think of them in this very western romanticized like (laughs) they're wearing like a nice white gown yeah yeah coming down Uh and bright white lights yeah it's funny i actually have a have a meme about uh it's like a showing like what angels really are and you Mm -hmm. know one person saying to another like don't be afraid it's it's okay, the angel's here, and it's like this giant star with a million eyes. Like it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, yeah, I think you would be terrified. Like, you'd probably, if there wasn't, if there wasn't for this knowing, um, like this message, right? Like, if you see, they see an angel, mm-hmm. no matter what the appearance is, there's like a message that that says, like, okay, this is this is like otherworldly, like. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Like it's t- it's told to you, and and so otherwise you would look at it and you'd be like, "Holy cow, that's like a really scary thing to look mm-hmm. at." You mm-hmm. know, because it's it's nothing like we've ever seen before, mm-hmm. and so they have to, you know, they have to tell us, you know, mm-hmm. "Don't be afraid." <laughs> yeah, I'm an angel, basically, mm-hmm. and otherwise you'd be looking at it like that looks like something from a horror movie. <laughs> All these, you know, eyeballs and it doesn't it doesn't look like yeah. what we've we've put a nice candy shell mm. on those things and said Here, here's what it looks like mm. and you're like oh cool mm. and so you're raised to think like mm. you see an angel one day that's what it's going to look like mm. and the bible even say like that's an appearance right to be approachable like the true form for one i don't think humans can see angels true form because the bible talks about like you like have your eyes burned out. Like it's it, there's such a they powerful. Say, they say that about angels or about God. I don't remember. There is something about angels where it's you can't. I don't think you can see their true form. Um, I definitely know they said that about God. Mm-hmm. Like that's. But I'm 
I'm blanking on um, actual verses. Um, I have bad I've always wondered, like, like, if, like, imagine, like, tomorrow we were visited, like, by angels. And not just angels, but, like, other heavenly hosts, like the seraphim and the cherubim or whatever. It's like, I've always wondered, like, what if we see them and it's like, we don't even realize it's them because the way that they actually appear is like, it's like, we, we didn't even think about that. Like, Mm -hmm. like, oh, hear me out. Aliens. Aliens. (laughs) This week. (laughs) Aliens. Aliens. Like, do they exist? (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing is like. I mean, just think about the past few years. There's been a lot of conversation about aliens, okay? And this is more so just like there's a question. There's always a lot of conversation. There's always a lot of conversation. I but, still, but there's to this day, I think I found some kind of feed on Facebook where it was talking, some article it was talking about some UFO they saw in California or something. Yeah, no. But the, over the past few years, ever since that article came out, and it was like the, I think it was like the New York Times or something like that, or the Washington Post, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. This article came out, and it was like this, this footage released by the Navy, you remember? Mm-hmm. And it was like this little pill dot, like, air, like, spacecraft that, like, they were, like, following or whatever. And that was, like, really big, because it was all over the news for, for like, a while. It, like, did the typical cycle. Mm-hmm. But ever since then, like, there's been a lot more conversation about, like, the subject of aliens. But my whole thing is, like, like... What if we were to like see angels and like think that they're aliens? Like what like what if we see them and it's just like we've gotten it wrong of like what they really look like? Mm-hmm. And or like not that we've gotten it wrong. Oh, I can 100% like, say that we've gotten it wrong and what they look like. Yeah, but humans, we're, like we've gotten they're like the most clueless yeah. people on But we like misinterpret like like even Ezekiel was like he's like trying to figure out the best he can what he's seeing. He's like writing it down and mm-hmm. we're trying to interpret what he was trying to interpret. It's like Right. And what if we see that it's like we we're mistaking like these like aliens for like actually angels. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered that as like a hypothesis of like what if that's the case and like someday we're like visited by like angels and we're all just like think it's aliens and it's like freaking us out. Like how weird would that be? Like how hard would that be to like wrap your head around as like suddenly you have to like not reinterpret all of scripture but just like realize that like your entire like presupposition assumption of how those kinds of things would play out is completely like false you, you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. like the end times happen and it's it's like completely not what you were expecting yeah yeah i like to i like to think that you know angels and and god are not limited to the bindings of the bible right mm-hmm. because the bible is not the biggest book in the world so i like to i like to think like you take you take one of the biggest subjects in the world right mm-hmm. so much to learn about god about angels about all of that stuff mm-hmm. you you probably think there'd be a lot more than one summed up in one book right mm-hmm. so i guess my kind of theory is is that all the main points are in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that God can also work outside of that. Because mm-hmm. if you believe that he's truly boundless, you also have to believe that he can work outside of the book that mm-hmm. he wrote, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're putting him in a box and saying, well, the Bible doesn't say that, so that's it, you know? So it's a hard line. I don't, I don't want to go around saying, like, well, you know, the Bible could be wrong in some areas if God chooses that it's not the right way to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to believe that, like, if you truly believe that he can break any chain, if he can cross any boundary, that he could work beyond the bounds of the Bible. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where it comes in where it's like he's working in ways that, that we could never even fathom. Mm-hmm. Right, he's working out like what they say in chess, where you should be like the good chess players are like five moves ahead always. Mm-hmm. Right, he's we're sitting here trying to think of his next move, but he's five moves ahead. He's already thinking, you know, boom, 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 and mm-hmm. we're um, 
humans think very linear. I'm gonna botch this word. Linear, linear, linearly. Linearly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say that. Um, where God's always thinking dynamically, mm. right? We're thinking, okay, this step, okay, this step, this step, working up like a scale almost. Mm-hmm. And God's saying, well, no, sometimes you go down mm-hmm. to get above this step, to go here, to mm-hmm. go there, right? He's like working all over. And that's why it's so hard to, you know, we can't put a, a formula to the way that God works mm-hmm. or the way that things were written in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're reading, we're interpreting other interpretations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there has to be, and, and then on top of that, you've got different versions of the Bible, which have mm-hmm. been interpreted differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got Christians will say, well, new King James version is, is the true way. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you've got, all the other versions are like, everyone has their own like version that they pick and they're like, well, this is the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You're know, like, how much has been actually skewed from the true interpretation of it, right? You've got so much, I mean, you've got Bibles now that are out there that are made so basic so that you can, you know, yeah. you can read it, right? The like message, yeah. The, they've tried to simplify it so much and by doing that, you're just straining it and straining it and straining it and you're getting you're pulling more and more words out that like kind of can change the meaning mm-hmm. and the problem is though you read it and like you can't tell what's been pulled out of it you mm-hmm. know so you're reading it and you're like well that sounds accurate mm-hmm. but you don't get the version before that has the words that they pulled out or whatever mm-hmm. right um <clears throat> so yeah i don't know it's i think there's a lot of things that when you go to heaven, you're, you're going to realize, like, I thought of that yeah. in this way, and it's not that way at yeah, all. Yeah, that's why I Like, it's insane. You know, like, you're going to, yeah. your mind's going to be blown. Oh, But absolutely. it's also not going to be blown because you're just going to know it, right? Like, you're going to... It's not going to feel like an absence of anything. Like, right. like you're going to be there and you're just going to be like, oh, this is it. Exactly. It's, like, always been that. Mm-hmm. And, like, suddenly it was, like, it's, like... I know, I've always wondered, like, imagine, imagine we get to the, the end times, right? Revelation. It's Revelation or Revelations? Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. Book of Revelation. (laughs) Uh, But you get to, like, the end time. And imagine, imagine, like, we were, like, wrong about the idea of supernatural. Like, what the supernatural is. Like, this whole time, like, we've had this idea of like this is what the supernatural is mm-hmm. when really like like the end times start happening it's like totally not what we thought it was that it's like me like it's like interdimensional because it's like i mean like you're in the old testament like isaiah and you're like looking in at the heavens and you're like seeing the throne room of god right we see we also see the throne room of god in the book of job and it's like is this is this an interdimensional space? Mm-hmm. Like, is this something that, like, is this something that, like, scientifically we can't explain? As like, this is what an interdimensional space is. Mm-hmm. And this is where those beings dwell. And, like, God is outside of all of that. But, like, his essence is, like, in that space, just as much as his essence was in the temple, tabernacle in, in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, like yeah, what if what if that space is like has like similar but different laws, like like universal laws, dimension like different law. It's in a different it's a different interdimensional space, and so they have different laws, but they're but they still have like laws in the way that God has like made. Mm-hmm. And it's like because for, for me, like I for a long time, and I guess I still kind of am, was very hypernaturalist, mm-hmm. which is an unfortunate term because. It doesn't mean what it sounds like at first. Simply hypernaturalism just means like like God uses the natural laws in such a specific way so that the outcome appears to us to be a supernatural outcome. Mm-hmm. There's this documentary like a while back about the um, plagues of Egypt. And um, the documentary was like going through each one and explaining how like natural order could result in this plague happening. Like, how how like natural processes 
at the right time, the right conditions, all this stuff could happen in order for the Red Sea to be like parted. Mm-hmm. And the thing, like me, I'm always like in the middle because I absolutely like, like I feel like God does use the laws that He created. By the way, He created them in such a very specific way to to provide such a very specific outcome, and that outcome is nonetheless miraculous. Like it's no less miraculous that God orchestrates things physical laws in such a specific way than if he were to just suspend those laws in order to do something. Mm-hmm. He can do either one of those things. And so like, and you know, this, I think, I think maybe this goes so well with the fact that I'm an older creationist is that God created the universe in such a specific way so that the laws enacted, those laws produce such a specific outcome. And that outcome happened to be a habitable planet that is sufficient enough to host an intelligent civilization intelligent life for an extended period of time mm-hmm. um and not just that like the planet itself finds itself in this like very this long like in the in geological history it's extremely short but it's called the long summer and it's a very short period of time in which the geological like state of the earth is very stable mm-hmm. it's been very stable so stable that we've been able to build advanced civilizations and technologies Mm-hmm. Whereas before, during like all the glacial periods, there's like ice ages. You had like tectonic plates moving around. Everything going crazy, had, and so yeah. there was no such thing as a stable society. Right, that's you could why build a city, and then the you know the earth could literally open up, swallow the city, and you'd have a new continent. Yeah, and that's why everyone <laughs> was nomadic. Yeah. Um, but it's like all like the earth was created, like the universe was created to host the right conditions to create this galaxy at the exact location inside of the universe and the solar system at the exact right location inside of that galaxy. And that solar system hosts a planet that is at the exact right location inside that solar system. The the exact distance from the sun and that planet is of the exact parameters, specific parameters, in order to host um, highly intelligent life. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but those parameters are conditioned in such a way to allow for the profitability of advanced civilization. And I think, I mean, that's that's just like mind-bogglingly incredible. And so like, I don't think hypernaturalism stands on its own mm-hmm. because I think hypernaturalism had a very hard time explaining the virgin birth. Um, but... I do think that there's a lot of like really helpful things that we can be that that we can understand when we start adopting this like perspective. Mm-hmm. When we start adopting the perspective, we can suddenly like we look at the universe and like we're blown away at like how incredibly beautiful and wonderful God has made it, and that it's just as miraculous if God were to like use the physical laws and states of affairs in such a way to produce a desired outcome, that's just as miraculous as if he right. suspends the physical laws in order to do something. And so I've always been like in the middle. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard because God created humans to be very curious. He created them to mm-hmm. explore science. And so had God used those, those laws instead of breaking his own laws to mm-hmm. make things happen. Right. Which would create an unexplained phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, had he used the stayed within the laws, mm-hmm. right, and just created the perfect, the perfect moment where mm-hmm. that happened, right? Mm-hmm. It would kind of, you would you would send he, you know, people would be like, well, it, it just mm-hmm. just happened that way. Like that's you know, it was a one in a million mm-hmm. chance, but it was still possible, and it happened that way, and it's explained here by the science, right? So it's very hard, I think. I I guess I like to think that God did break his his own laws because mm-hmm. I think that that would send a clear message of like his power mm-hmm. and saying like these laws like you've not been able to break these laws yet, right? Mm-hmm. With all the technology you have, I've given you a stable time to create all this technology and you've not yet been able to create this or break this law. Mm-hmm. Um which that in itself took time to find the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you find the law that's supposed to be unbreakable and you can't break it. Mm-hmm. But then you read about events where those laws would be broken. And you're like, you either have to find a scientific way of explaining what happened there 
or, you know, scientists really don't like to leave things unexplained. Mm -hmm. They, and they really hate even more to say it was a supernatural event because mm -hmm. they want to explain it mm -hmm. using some physical property, some physical law mm -hmm. saying, well, this, you know, algorithm, mm -hmm. this formula is what explains the whole thing. Yeah. And it's scary because it's like their presupposition is that everything is, must have a natural explanation. Like you were just saying, mm -hmm. that's their presupposition. And the thing is, it's like, like there are explanations we're not even aware of. First of all, you know, um, what is it like 18th century or maybe earlier, um, maybe 19th century, but like, you know, it, one of the prevailing theories was called spontaneous generation. And like, they literally believed that like maggots just spontaneously generated on decay. I mean, right. Cause they um, would just show up there. Cause they would just show up until, you know, I, I don't remember what it was, but they did some experiments that put some meat out in the cold, like under some like glass and everything. But and they did experiments and found out that like that's that's false and that just mm -hmm. eroded the hypothesis. And so like there might be methods that we're doing now, like things that we feel like we we have confidence in now, that like tomorrow could be proven like oh this is actually not true at all. Right. And so thing is it's like which makes believing in the science a little difficult. A little difficult, <laughs> but there's like this middle ground I feel like because take supernaturalism to its extreme. Okay, if you take it to its extreme. And it's devoid of God. You're left with something that looks a lot more like like New Age mysticism, mm -hmm. kind of like this monism or pantheism or panentheism, whichever whichever one, where like we're all in this universal oneness with the universal consciousness. Mm -hmm. That consciousness is like a phenomena that's shared by all living things, and it's just like this one thing. And there's really no like substance, or there's the truth of reality is in the immaterial, not the material. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now take the other end of that to the extreme and you're left with Darwinian naturalism, left with, with materialism. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, so if you take that idea of like of God and you put it out all the way out to a supernatural extreme, you're left with new age. But if you put it out to the other end of extreme hypernaturalism, you're left with Darwinian naturalism. In fact, we have ideas about God, like have hypernaturalism, to thank for Darwinian evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, in the early in the early years of the um, you know Newtonian uh, the scientific revolution, you know Newtonian physics, um, Copernicus, um, Isaac um, uh, Isaac Newton, you know Gottfried Leibniz, all all these people. In the scientific revolution, it was like. Like they're finding that the universe was very ordered and structured because Newtonian physics is very ordered, like very structured. It's very mm -hmm. predictable. Mm -hmm. And so every time like this, like they would come out with this like theory, scientific theory of like gravitate of gravity or like orbits of the planets or whatnot, it would be like, it would be like, Oh, like God is perfect. So therefore, the mechanisms that have set these bodies, these planets in motion must be perfect. So that means that like this system of the solar system must be perfect. And so it must be self-sufficient because that's because God is perfect. Mm -hmm. So if he created a system that was imperfect, then he wouldn't be a perfect God. And that, and that idea, which is called mechanistic philosophy, that God created something like a machine and the machine is perfect in a way that it operates is the precursor to methodological naturalism, which is the idea that every single thing which occurs, occurs by natural phenomena, by mm -hmm. natural processes. Mm -hmm. And so, and a lot of people don't realize this, that we have, that we have, that the ideas that gave birth to neo-Darwinism are actually founded in theology. Mm -hmm. um, but it was theology that became very hyper-naturalistic. Mm -hmm. It was theology that kept removing the supernatural the metaphysical aspects of reality in which God has made, it's a theology that kept moving that away. Mm -hmm. And the more that it moved it away, the more that it was devoid of, of the idea of God to begin with. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing on the other side, where it's like you have, um, you have, you have this idea of Gnosticism where it's like, like physical is bad. My body is bad. And I have to like beat my body because my body is a bad thing. 
and I have to like mm-hmm. leave my body because like the immaterial thing is the good thing. That's like that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And so like the more that those ideas like devoided themselves of this idea of like God, and the further away it got, and the more it became defined by like what we hear today is like new age and, and stuff like that. Right. And so there are these like two extremes, and that's why like I find myself in the middle where I'm thinking, wait a minute, like both of these things are important because a healthy appreciation and understanding for the complexities of the universe and the way that God has made it, like the physical laws, it's very important to like have those understandings. And it's also very important to understand the depths and the mysteries of the supernatural phenomena. Um, and so, and so when it comes to like understanding the universe, I'm always like humble because I realize that as soon as I try to begin understanding something, mm-hmm. it's either in one of these categories. It's either like a supernatural thing or it's like a material thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm saying like at the end of my life, like when, you know, when we all get to heaven, I feel like I'm just going to be blown away by this like third category that's yep. like in the middle that like we've never understood before because we're so used to thinking in either of these terms. Yeah, it's a very black and white yeah, you know, way of thinking, and the human mind loves to categorize things, mm-hmm. right? To put it in this box, and you put it in this box, and they don't touch each other, they mm-hmm. don't go near each other, you know. When reality is often found somewhere in the middle, where they mm-hmm. work with each other rather than than completely mm-hmm. as separate entities, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think that's where like <clears throat> you know, biblically, you've got people who are. Mm-hmm you know, this or that, mm. where, you know, you're looking like you need to be right in the middle because there's mm. aspects from each, each side that work with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think this goes back to what I was saying before about, um, about communication, you know, because you think about the temptation of Jesus, um, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus and he brings them, like, he brings them before like all the kingdoms and he's like, you know, um, I forgot what he said. He was like, like worship me or something like that. And he was like, and I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. Like I will give you all of this. Right. And like the word that's used there for like the kingdoms, it's not, it's not like he's talking about the physical, like all of the kingdoms that are currently on earth. Like he will give them all to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the word there is also referring to the hearts of everyone in those kingdoms. Right. And so it's like this duality of of the material and the immaterial are not like these two separate things they're like this one thing and like if you like recognize me and you worship me i will give you all of that and that kind of relates back to the conversation about like communication because i feel like as humans we've developed the one thing with the one side of it mm-hmm. um and we're really good at, at, at speaking and and using our vocal cords to vibrate the air in such a way so that it makes a certain noise so that when you're listening to the noises that I'm making, they have meaning to you because we've attached meaning to them. And this is all a physical process. This is the, the one side of the physical thing, like the physical kingdoms. But there's another side to communication. And we all experience it. But I don't think we know, like, I feel like we're, we, would, we, we would all be very surprised to, to actually experience what it's like for those two things to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? It's like when you got married to Lauren, you became one flesh. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's like you are two people, but one people that's two people right. because you're one people. We're a, we're a representation of one person essentially, but we're not physically one person, right? Yeah. Like we're still two people, but. Yeah. And so, like, this idea of communication is like, it's like our, the words that we speak are like up here like we're defining things and like we're helping us to understand the world around us but without that second thing that makes it a one thing we're only understanding one part of that puzzle which is funny because when you explain it that way it's you know when you get married to somebody you you do develop almost like a third way of communication right like there's the physical way Mm -hmm. there's the well physical speech way right like Mm -hmm. i'm telling you how i'm feeling there's the physical way like i can tell you know if they're storming off they're probably upset or Mm -hmm. you know if they're jumping up and down they're probably happy right Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's like a third way where you can 
you can almost just tell, um, just from being with them, you can tell kind of what their thoughts are going to be. Um, and it's actually funny. We had one of these experiences today mm -hmm. because we were both, um, pretty tired from the weekend. Uh, we were coming home and we almost got home at the exact same time, which is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um, but I walked in and I was eating a snack and she, she walked in and we had, uh, had the dogs in the, in the cages, uh, while we were at work. Um, it was kind of a short day and we both walked in and we were like, man, I wonder if we can just take a quick nap before we let them out. Cause mm. they're just really rambunctious. And mm -hmm. like one of the one we're watching, um, seems to be afraid to go to the bathroom outside. So mm. we were like, if we let them out of the cage, we're not, not going to take a nap or anything. Like that's just not how it's going to be. So, um, but it was funny. We had that same, like, same train of thought mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. you know it's just you just mm -hmm. develop like a um a different way of communicating with that person mm -hmm. you know you don't have to say things you don't even honestly have to do anything physically with your body but they kind of already know what you're thinking mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so it's it's just very interesting yeah yeah and uh i've always been curious about that you know because there's just like things in my own life that are like inexplicable along those lines of like you know like like my mom and I are really close like we have a pretty good relationship um, but it's like there are so many t you know you know what like mom's intuition right mm -hmm. everyone every everybody's mom has that yep. like you've probably experienced it from your mom before oh yeah where like I remember when I was living in Pennsylvania my mom would call me and she'd be like hey do you need money? And literally that day I was like looking at my bank account. I was like, I can't afford rent. <laughs> and somehow she would know and she would call me and be like, okay, I'll put money in your account. Yeah. Like it, like that's, that's kind of like mom's intuition. Yeah. But there's like this, like, I don't, I don't, I, there's a part of me that has like this, like this theory that's like, there's part of it's genetic because it's, it's this dual, this duality. But anyway, it's like duality of man. <laughs> It's like my mom. As Michael Scott would say. <laughs> the duality of Michael <laughs> Scott. But it's like my mom will like, she'll say something and like, I'll call her. So I'll call my mom out of the blue and I'll be like, hey mom, like, you know, how's it, are, like, are you feeling okay? Because I'll have like a headache. And she'll be like, oh, my head's been hurting. And I was like, oh, I know, I had a headache. Mm. Like, very strange stuff like that. Like, very, like, stuff that's like very hard to explain. It's just like, why do you know these things there's like I haven't told you or it's like she'll like experience something and ask me about it and I'll be like oh yeah my, my knee's been hurt it's like mm -hmm. oh she's like yeah I know my knee's been hurt it's, it's very strange stuff like that and I think that is tapping into this idea that communication is so much more relational than the act of speaking words mm -hmm. and and I think a lot of it I mean I think it has to do with the very idea of information itself um, there's this book that I had started to read that I would actually really love to finish called Being in Communion it's written um, by uh, one of the senior fellows of Discovery Institute Bill Dembski Dr. Bill Dembski um, and he was one of like the pioneers of the modern like intelligent design movement and he writes a lot about information theory talking about like looking at what is information in the dna molecule like what exactly is it um and the book is kind of about this whole it's kind of about this concept of like how information is like the fundamental substance um of like what we would consider reality and everything but mm -hmm. i haven't finished the book yet but um it's always been like something that's been curious to me to like understand more and at a deeper level because it's been such a part of my personal life. And who knows, maybe I get married someday and that third language just kind of comes up and I'm just like, ah, there it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, my wife's like, Hey, is your head hurting? I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not always, it's not always like, um, it's not always just shared with like a spouse or, you know, it's really, anybody you've spent a lot of time with i mean mm -hmm. you know you know you're like your mom mm -hmm. there's just ways of telling things that that are un 
undescribable, mm. unspoken. You mm-hmm. don't you don't know how to explain what is going on. You just mm-hmm. know what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is definitely like a gift from God. And, you know, and, and people will put labels on it, like like they'll they'll um, call it like a prophetic messages and things mm-hmm. like that. And those are a little bit more predominant than like kind of you know, thinking something and then being like, hey, mom, do you have a headache or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. these are, like, prophetic... People who get, like, prophetic messages, these are, like, people who get messages about, like, strangers, right? And they're, like... They mm-hmm. go to church and they're, like, I'm just getting this feeling from this person. Mm-hmm. And that's where the line gets a little dicey sometimes because you go to some of these churches where they're, like, healing people every day mm-hmm. and they're, like... Yeah. Somebody in here has a knee that hurts, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that. And you're like, so all the rest of us were like, well, probably 20 people in here have, yeah. you know, hurting knees. Like, that's a pretty common thing. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of hitting, uh, you know, a very big target there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's certain things where it's like, you know, you'll hear a prophetic message and somebody that you've never, like, talked to knows something personal about your life that mm-hmm. you don't really share. And then you're like, I can see how this is be real, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you understand it from like your mom, you know, just the 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 story that you told me now, but it's it hits on a whole different level when it's like a stranger to another stranger, mm-hmm. right? And because then it all of a sudden you it enters your mind like like yes, supposedly, you know, there could be a way that they would know that from someone mm-hmm. else, right? Like, they could have talked to somebody who mm-hmm. knew that about me, but, like, it would be extremely rare, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, the possibility of of actually, like, them getting that, that mm-hmm. message from God about you to pray for you is all of a sudden, like, whoa. So, And that's the key, that message from God. Yeah. Because, like you were just saying, like, that kind of, com- that kind of communication that we're talking about is relational. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for example, like, my, my best friend in college, Takaya, I've talked about him before, um, him and I kind of have that similar relationship where, like, he, like, there's, there's several times where, like, he, like I was going through something in my life, mm-hmm. and I remember when I, when I came out of that season, he would, like, tell me, he's like, yeah, I knew you were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew, he just, like, he knows me so well, just like, like, you and Lauren know each other so well, it's like, he knows me so well, where it's like, that communication is like from that relationship because that relationship is such a strong bond that like he just knows by interacting with me very momentarily like how I'm doing you know and it's like that comes from like a very strong relationship Mm -hmm. and so when people are saying like when people have like that kind of relationship with a stranger I think that's why people maybe question it because mm-hmm. it's a stranger. It's not someone you have that very connected right. relationship with. But on the other hand, I think what makes it very murky, like not not necessarily black and white, is like that relationship is still there with everybody. Mm-hmm. It's what connects all of us to begin with. Even if that even if that connection hasn't been like you know, let's say let's say it's like a light bulb, for example. Let's say like my connection with some random person isn't turned on yet, it's still there. Because we're both made in the image of God, we all have that connection. But like, it would only be through like divine will or divine act that that person could suddenly have that in-depth communicated knowledge of a stranger. Mm-hmm. And so, I think what makes it so like not murky, but just like like uncertain for a lot of people is they know that there's got to be a lot of that that's just, like, mm-hmm. obviously not true. But it's, like, there. I mean, there's got to be some of it that is. Or else, or else it wouldn't have just come from nowhere. And so the hard part is trying to figure out which one is which. Right. And I think, I think ultimately, the people that know that it's true are the people that God knows need to know it's true. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's really all that matters. Right, right. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and it's. I think it's also one of those things, too, where it's very hard to believe until it kind of happens to you, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. like, you have your own personal experience with it, mm-hmm. and you can talk about it all day long, but until the other, 
kind of like what you said about the sleep paralysis thing, yeah. right? Yeah. You're sitting there thinking, like, how in the world can people, like, literally just be paralyzed in their mm-hmm. sleep, right? Like, but then you had your own experience, and you're like, I understand now, mm-hmm. on a different level, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of knew because you wanted it to happen, but, like, other people were terrified, and they interpreted mm-hmm. it differently because they didn't expect it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So they woke up, and they're like, I want to move my body, and I, it's not moving, right? Or mm-hmm. I can't even yell, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, their interpretation of that was was probably more extreme than yours because you were almost, your brain was kind of an- anticipating it to yeah. happen on a low level, right? Mm-hmm. Like you weren't, you weren't sure when it was going to happen, but like your brain was like, oh, it's happening. I kind of mm-hmm. thought eventually it might happen or mm-hmm. something, right? Like, mm-hmm. So it was a little bit more prepared and your experience may not have been quite as extreme as like people who were unprepared for it. That's true. So it's, it's all about like having your own, um, your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets very hard to judge any situation, right? Because if somebody comes in, like a, you can talk to my grandma, mm-hmm. she swears that she's seen UFOs, <laughs> yeah. right? And like, she swears that she was like, actually, I don't know if she says like probed by aliens or something, but she like, she has she's a story, abducted? right? You, if really? you talk to her. If you talk to her, she seems like a very normal person. She's very lucid. She's not a crazy person, but like, mm-hmm. she's got some stories where you're like, "Were you on drugs?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like seriously don't yeah. know. But then you know, but from my standpoint, you know, I'm thinking that. But on her standpoint, she felt like it was very real, mm-hmm. right? And so I can't judge that because I didn't have that same experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe if I had had that same experience we'd probably be talking about this. We'd have the same story. We'd be talking the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's also a line where you're like, like we were talking about earlier, where like, where's the separation between reality and what your brain interprets. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because if an angel appears to you, but our brains are programmed to think everything extraterrestrial is Mm -hmm. aliens, we're probably going to see an alien. And we're going to be like, oh, that's an alien, right? Yeah. And God's sitting there saying, that was really an angel. Mm. Just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever yeah. your experience is, like, you know, it's, you have a, um, a pre, what is your word there? Presupposition. Presupposition. Yeah. About, about everything when you, when you read it and everything until you have your own experience. And mm-hmm. then it's a whole different story. Mm. Yeah, it is. And and it's everything, even like even experiences that you have, have possible explanations. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was watching one of Joe Rogan's podcasts, and they, I don't remember, I think I think it was Alex Jones. Oh man, it was a four hour podcast. Um, <laughs> Alex Jones is hilarious, um, but it's kind of crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like aliens and DMT. You know what DMT is? Like, mm-hmm. Dimethyltryptamine. It's like it's a, it's it's a drug that you can take and do and it's psychedelic and hallucinogenic, but it's also like naturally occurring in the brain. Um, and they, they believe that, uh, when you die, your brain actually releases like a ton of this inside. Hmm. Um, when you die, when you're passing away and well, there's this belief that that's what causes the, like the light, illusion that you're yeah, like going the, to have the light at the end of the tunnel to, kind yeah. of feeling. Um, and I remember like, I forgot who it was who was telling the story about how like all these people were doing DMT and they were all seeing the same thing. Hmm. And he was making the argument that like they that like they weren't just hallucinating, like they had to have been seeing unlocking unlocking their mind to something real because they were all seeing the same thing. And I'm like, maybe, but like there are other explanations for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's what we were talking about, where it's like a shared it's just shared hallucination. Mm-hmm. that it's not like necessarily a door being unlocked to an unknown like dimension or an unknown world but like because of we're all connected in a very unique way just like when my mom's knees hurting so is mine mm-hmm. when this person who's like connected with these other people is like, experiencing this you know hallucination so are these other people you know i i think back to oh i forgot what it was called but i remember i think it was in france I want to say it was the 18th century or 17th century, but there was a town in France, I, I believe it was France, where people were dancing 
and they literally danced themselves to death. The entire town, like, started dancing. And you have to look it up, but like they started Sounds dancing, and it was like I think it was something something dancing sickness, yeah. and like a lot of people died because like they just they couldn't stop dancing, and it that that's kind of along the lines of just like this this not mob of mentality, but it's like this shared like like I guess kind of mob mentality. That's more of just like the collective in a sense mm-hmm. of like is doing this thing, and it's kind of in itself is like a it puts your mind in a suggestible state but mm-hmm. it's a very interesting topic thanks for listening to that's interesting tune in next week for more interesting conversations love you all and have a good night